0: But, you know, there's something about Christmas that makes us want to believe things. And that's why, you know, this month, our, our theme, as Kel and Jess said, our theme this month has been believe. Um, you know, during the Christmas season, we think about, we, we like to believe in Christmas miracles. You know, you'll hear people say Christmas miracles. You believe in, uh, maybe you are got enough faith to believe that we're going to have snow on Christmas Day. And um, that I, that doesn't happen down here very often. In fact, I remember a couple years ago, it was like 80 degrees on Christmas Day, so... Um, that might be a pipe dream, hoping for snow here at Christmas. But we can get rain, plenty of that, amen? And, uh, but you know, we, we like to believe in just even the goodness of humanity. You know, people seem to be more generous during Christmas. You know, they'll, they buy gifts for each other, and, and things just happen. We believe in things during Christmas that we just don't normally believe any other time of year for some people. And uh, I, would, I should say, people that don't necessarily believe in a lot, they'll believe things at Christmas time. But I think the craziest story or craziest thing that we believe is that the almighty God of the universe came to this earth in the form of a baby and was born basically in a barn and was put into a feeding trough to come to be God with us. As, as, as the Bible says, that he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us, to come and to redeem the human race back to him. That is a very extraordinary story, isn't it? But that is why we're here today. We're here to celebrate the birth of of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can worship Him and love Him and celebrate Him just like they could 2,000 years ago, amen? And that's why we're here today. You know, it's a really good thing. And this month, we've been pointing out that that what you believe is is determined, it, it actually determines the pursuit in every area of your life, not just during Christmas. It determines what career you're gonna choose. What you believe determines even who you're gonna marry. Or uh, where you're going to work, or it can determine. It, it determines how you spend your money. That's a big factor in, in what you believe. It determines what we do with our time, and even where we go to church. It's all hinges on where what we believe. And I would even go a step further as to say that what we believe is not just about um, what we say. It's not necessarily reflected by that. It's reflected by what we do, and even to go a little further than that, to say that it's not even just what we do, it's what we're willing to sacrifice for. What we believe is determined by what we're willing to suffer for. If you believe in something passionately enough, you're going to be willing to suffer for it. And you know, when we talk about the baby Jesus, it's one thing to believe that he came, you know, during Christmas we celebrate the fact that he was a baby put in a manger, and you know, it's easy to believe that. The nativity scene, it's always so cute, you know, and people do these different uh, versions of the nativity scene, but there's always a baby in a manger, and then there's Mary and Joseph, and there's other shepherds standing there, and there's, there's animals that are there, and they're on their best behavior, and they're all on one side of the, feeding, uh, one side of the manger for a perfect photo op. You know, amazing how that works every time. You know? It's one thing to believe that, but it's a complete other thing to believe that he is who he says he is, that he didn't just become a baby and stay in that manger, but he grew into a man And he was God in the flesh. And he is the savior of the world. That he is, what he says about himself is that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that no one comes to the Father but through me. Those are the words of Jesus. It's a whole other thing to believe that, isn't it? Because if we believe that, we're believing what he's saying is that he wants our whole life. Not just to have a cute story during the month of December, but to actually give him our entire life. And that's what we're talking about today but it's you know it can be scary to put your life in the hands of anybody especially somebody that you can't even see we can't see jesus today because he's not here in the flesh anymore and so to believe in that can be a scary proposition for us you know i was i grew up scared of god a lot of you know my story i grew up in a a pretty strict church and you know i'm not going to say it was a church's fault that i felt this way but for whatever reason I interpreted what my church taught was that God was looking to to get me and that if I made mistakes, he was just waiting to, for me to make a mistake so he can so he can get me and show me how strong he really is and, and that I wasn't worthy and and so I lived my whole adolescent years trying to be really good, trying not to sin. Because it wasn't because I was that good of a kid, it was just that I was scared to death of God. And I've even said many times, I used to go to bed every night, church, every night. I would go to bed and I would not allow myself to fall asleep until I prayed. Because I, f- I had to pray and ask God to forgive me for everything I did wrong that day. Because I believed in my heart that if I didn't, if I forgot to ask him to forgive me for whatever I did that day and I somehow died in my sleep, that I was not gonna go to heaven. That I was not gonna be with him. That's how I lived my life and my relationship with God. But once I really learned who he was and I really got to know him, and not just the religious ritual of him, it changed everything. It changed everything. I learned that he's, he's not some mean ogre that's out there in the cosmos that's just with well, his arms crossed waiting for me to mess up, but that he's actually a loving father. And that he actually, when he sent his son, that that was actually for me too. And it was to, to redeem me back to him. And it was, it was that I could trust him. And I learned that he's not actually trying to keep me in a religious prison. He's actually coming to set me free. And when we learn that about our Savior, it changes everything. It's not so scary anymore, is it? And, you know, we are all at different places on our journey. We're all at different places. Some of you here today might even say, you know what, I wouldn't even say that Jesus is is my Lord and my Savior. You know, you may say, "I've, I've never given my heart to him. Or maybe you did it a long, long time ago, and you just kind of done your thing ever since then but you're not really living for him and some of you are here and you've been saved and you've been serving jesus for decades but no matter where we are on this journey there's always a next step for us to take whether it's just to believe that he is who he says he is or if it's to believe enough that you can trust him to come into those areas of your life that you've never given him and i want to challenge you today to dare to believe i want to dare you today to believe him is it scary? Yes. It's always scary to give control up to anyone else. But if we're gonna give it to anybody, <laughs> there's nobody better than Jesus. He's the one, the only one that's worthy of it, amen? Amen. amen. I wanna read a, a verse out of the Bible this morning, and uh, it's it is hands down the most famous Bible verse in the whole Bible. It's quoted all the time there's a reason it's the most famous and the most quoted, because it's beautiful. And I'm going to read it. It's out of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and verse 16. I'm going to actually read through 18. This tells us why Jesus came to earth as a baby 2,000 years ago. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That was God's part in this plan of redemption that he has for all of us. But then he goes on to say what our part is. It says that whoever believes in him There's that, believes, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For all of us that will believe in what he did for us, we will not perish, we will have eternal life. And the next verse is just as good, even though it's not quoted near as much. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He did not come to this world so that he could put his finger in our face and tell us how horrible we are. In fact, it was just the opposite of that. He came to set us free, he came to save us, to redeem us. To, to pay the debt of sin that we could not pay as human beings. He did, the, he did the job for us. And it goes on to say that whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, there's a lot of believe in that those three verses, but this is not some kind of haphazard believe. Okay? This isn't about just believing in a little baby in a manger for the month of December. This is a belief that goes way, way beyond that. This is a belief that is about commitment. This is about giving yourself to him. Okay, I don't think I'm I'm doing any violence to the scripture to say that we could John three sixteen could be, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will be committed to him, will lay down their life and give it to him, will trust them with their whole life, that they will not perish but have everlasting life. This is a very serious belief for you and me. And it has to cost us something. You know, this is not like when we believe in things that don't really cost us anything, and it's just kind of like, yeah, sure, I can believe that. You know, believing we didn't land on the moon, or believing the earth's flat, you know, something like that, sure, why not, whatever. Or believing in a lucky rabbit's foot, you know, doesn't really do anything. Consequently, I would ask if you think a rabbit's foot's lucky, I would ask that three-legged rabbit running around how that worked out for him, you know. (laughs) Not real lucky for the rabbit. This is the kind of belief that really does cause commitment. And this is a real-life scenario. This this can be a scary scenario for us, but if we really think about it, the real thing that is scary is thinking about living without Jesus. Because it it might cost us something to live for him, but it costs us a lot more to deny him, doesn't it? Because without him, there is no reconciliation to God. There is no relationship. We cannot have a relationship with God without Jesus in our life. But the beautiful side of that is that with him in our life, there's no separation from God. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. There's nothing that could pull us away from him. There's nothing that can get in between him and us when we are committed to him and given him our life. And that's a beautiful thing. I want you to know today that Jesus is for you. He's for you. He's not just for a few of us. It's not just some elite club. That that only a few of us can get into, you know, like the NFL draft, where only the best of the best of the best get drafted, you know. And on draft day, there's a lot of really good football players that don't get drafted because they're just not quite good enough. Well, nothing could that could that could not be a better opposite analogy of what faith in Jesus is, because in faith in Jesus, it's for all of us. We're all invited. This isn't some elite club. This is come one, come all, come as you are, and come worship the King. It's for every single one of us. There's a, uh, there's a prophet in the Old Testament, probably the most famous, one of the greatest prophets, if not the greatest, the prophet Isaiah, wrote about 66 chapters in the Old Testament. And you know, he lived 700 years before Jesus was on this earth. Long time, 700 years. And yet he, is, he prophesied the coming of the Messiah multiple times in his book. And every one of his prophecies about Jesus came true. And there's one in particular that I want to read to you. It's out of the ninth chapter, and it's in verse six. It says, for to us, a child is born. Everyone say, to us. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It's for each and every one of us. I want to encourage you in that today, church, that he is He is for you. He's not angry with you. He's not, the, the, there's nobody up here. Just because I'm standing up here doesn't mean I'm a better person than anybody else in this place. God is no respecter of persons. He wants all of us to come to him, to come to a knowledge of him. In fact, the apostle Paul, probably the greatest apostle to ever live, in his book that he wrote to the Romans, or in his letter to the Romans in chapter 10, he says that if if anyone will confess that Jesus is Lord with their mouth and believe in their heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's for all of us. Every single one of us. And then just to clarify, in case you didn't get it in the first part, he goes on to say that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If anyone has ever told you that you're not good enough or or this, thing, this whole faith thing isn't for you, that God doesn't love you, you were lied to. Because he came, what we're celebrating here at Christmas is him coming because of the fact that he loves you so much, loves each and every one of us, you know, and I think some of us would say today, well, you know, I want to believe all that, but dot, 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 fill in the blank, whatever comes after that part, you know, there's a, we, we talk about the Grinch during the Christmas season, there's a Grinch that, that that whispers in our ear year-round, not just in December, That little Grinch called Doubt tries to see, sow seeds of doubt in our mind that, well, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it's all fun and good in December, but January comes, and real life hits me again, and I just don't know, you know, and we start to have those doubts, and, and for a lot of us, if, the, when we doubt, we start to think, well, if I'm doubting, I must not believe, so we just kind of don't think about it, or don't talk about it, or don't, don't engage in the whole idea of giving our life to Jesus, because we think, well, if I doubt, that means I must not believe, which isn't true at all. In fact, if you're doubting, if you're having doubts in your heart, all that means is that you're actually thinking. Because I would challenge you, everybody in this room today that has never had any doubt in their mind about their faith in their whole life, raise your hand. Look around. No hands going up. We've all had to deal with that at some point in our life. And I would challenge you today, when you have that doubt, don't let that doubt actually push you away from Jesus. Use it to draw you to Jesus. Come to Jesus when we have that doubt, when we're struggling, and say, God, help me in my unbelief. Help me in this doubt to see you for who you really are. Use it to draw you closer to him, not push you away. Because I said a few but ago, you but know, for some reason, we think that if we doubt, that that's the unpardonable sin in the faith, and it's not at all. It's not at all. We all have to deal with that at some point. But I can tell you, the more you grow in your faith, the more you understand who he is, the more you learn his real character, the doubt tends to go away. It becomes less and less and less because you've seen his faithfulness in your life. And you can look back to that and say, mm, thou, no way, Grinch, you're not having any place in my mind today because I could tell you all the times God's been faithful to me. But we can't get to that place if we don't believe and we don't trust him, right? I would even tell you today that one of the biggest things that can keep us from taking the next step in our faith journey is feeling like we don't measure up. You know, that that little guy that... that puts doubt in your mind is the same little guy that can also put those, those thoughts in your mind of, I'm just not good enough. I've made too many mistakes. I don't measure up. God can't love me. He can't forgive me. He, he, there's, just, there's just too much that he can actually do for me what he's done for so many other people. And I would challenge you today not to believe the lies that come into your mind. Not to, don't, don't look to what, what other people would say about you, but look to what God would actually say about you. Do you believe what he says about you? I want to tell you today that God's heart for you is that you would believe how much he loves you, and that you were worth it for him to come and pay the ultimate price. I think for some of you, you may think, is that even on his docket? Am I even on his radar to love me in that way? Well, nothing could be further from the truth. He came and died for each and every one of us so that we could know him. I shared that verse a minute ago out of Isaiah 9, and I want to read it again because I want to unpack it just a little bit for a couple minutes. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace." It gives us four names of Jesus there. And you know, unlike today, when we give names to our kids, we just kind of go with whatever we think sounds good. If you, you know, if you're one of those that doesn't like to shake rattle the the boat too much, you're gonna name your kid something that's, you know, mainstream or you might name go crazy and do something really wild just because you enjoy that kind of thing. Names in the old testament like this, the, the name is not just because it sounds good. The name actually describes the characteristics of that person. So these names of Jesus is not just a good-sounding name. It's actually describing who he is. It says that he is a wonderful counselor. This tells me that God gives us guidance, gives us wisdom in our time of need, that he actually helps us to be able to make decisions about whatever situations are in our life when we can't make them on our own because we don't know the future, but he does. So he gives us counsel. He gives us wisdom to be able to make wise decisions in our life that's who he is for each one of us and you may think well he's never really helped me you know maybe you think about all the times where you think where i've made bad decisions and sure would have been nice if he'd given me some wisdom in those scenarios and it's easy to to look at situations and think you know i don't really feel him you know like you, you say well he helps you and you know you feel the you feel god and he's with you and he's close to you and you know He's this counselor that's advising you, and you might say, well, I feel more like I'm on an island, I feel like I'm on my own most times, and that I don't really feel him helping me, and I want, I want you to know today that the word of God is true, and Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, and there are times where we, all of us, no matter how far you are on this journey of faith, there's times where we don't necessarily feel him. But that's And that's okay. The fact is, though, he's helping us in our life, in our situations, in ways that sometimes we can't even understand. And, you know, the world would say that seeing is believing. You know, we want to see it before we believe it with most things, right? We're not going to usually take somebody's word at it. We cannot approach having a relationship with God the same way because it's not about seeing before you believe. Jesus actually shows us through through the Gospels and through the theme of the Bible is that you will believe, or you will see when you believe. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting, for those of you that say, you would say, you know, I, I've been living for Jesus for a while, and I remember my days before I was really, gave, gave my life to him, and you know, I'd see a scenario, and I never saw Jesus in anything, and now that I've decided to believe in him, and I've given him my life, I see him in everything. I see him in the rain, I see him in the sunshine. I see him in the cold, I see him in the hot. I see him in the dark, I see him in the light, I see him everywhere because he he is who he says he is and he's faithful and he's good. You, you, You see it when you believe and he will give us counsel. He is there for us even when we don't feel him. It also says that he's the mighty God, mighty God. That tells me that nothing is too difficult for him. He's the God that created the whole universe and he's in relationship with me. It's very humbling to think about that, isn't it? This tells me, mighty God, this tells me that he intervenes on my behalf. It's it's, it's him taking the wonderful counselor part another step. Because the wonderful counselor tells me that he gives me wisdom to make decisions in situations and to help and guide me in my life. Mighty God actually tells me there's times he actually intervenes and does it for me. You know, we see that through the word of God. There was times when the children of Israel were were going into battle. There was times God would tell them, you don't even have to worry about it. You just stand here. I'm going to take care of it for you. And then there's other times he would say, go, Fight. So it's not going to be the same way every time. Sometimes he gives you the wisdom, sometimes he does it for you. And in him being the mighty God tells me that he is doing it for me. And some of you would say, well, I feel like he's dropped the ball in my life. I haven't seen him be mighty in my life. I've, I've trusted him for things, and I've just come away disappointed. And so now I've kind of put up these walls where I'm just going to kind of keep him at arm's length. And let me tell you, there's nobody in here that's never been disappointed in our relationship with God either. It's not because God has let us down. It's because we are humans with a finite mind and sometimes we can't see the situation the way God sees it. And our perspective is limited by what we can know. It's, it's so arrogant of us to think that our little brain in our head, which mine's bigger than most because I have a seven to five-eighths head, so <laughs> mine's huge. Doesn't mean I'm any smarter, it just means I have a big head. But we, to think that our brain can comprehend everything that an infinite God that has no beginning and no end, could, could intervene in a situation is, is really absurd, isn't it? You know, a lot of you know my, uh, my, my story about my mom. You know, about three years ago now, she was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, um, you know, we just, we believed that God was going to heal her. We prayed. My family, we were just, we were standing in faith and, and praying. And she went through chemo, and, you know, about seven months later, they did a scan after she was done with her chemo, and the scan came back totally clean. And we were rejoicing, we were thanking God for his faithfulness and for his power and for everything he did through, that, through the medical profession and, and, and just supernaturally too. And we were so excited. And just a, just a few short months later, something was not right, we could tell. And she went back to the doctor and they tested her again and they diagnosed her with a, a very, very aggressive form of leukemia. And I was there when the doctor came in and said, You have one week to live. And let me tell you something. There was, we were very, very disappointed. It was very sad. I I did not want to see my mom go like that. And you know, we could have shaken our fist at God and said, God, we trusted you. God, I'm in ministry. You have to listen to my prayers, right? We could have been frustrated. We could have. Had all kinds of thoughts about how this just didn't work. You're make, God, you're making me look foolish because I just got done telling my church how excited we were that my mom was healed. Now I got to go back to him and tell him that she's gone. And I could have been incredibly frustrated and upset. But you know what? I, was I disappointed that my mom passed away? Of course. I love my mom. I wanted her to be in my life. But you know what? It didn't change the fact that God's faithful. It doesn't change who he is one bit, not one little bit because I didn't understand the situation, doesn't mean he's not faithful. It doesn't mean, It's not going to make me stop trusting him. If anything, it's going to make me trust him more. Because I don't know how I can get through this life without trusting God. Because he's the, he's the only one that can help us in these really, really tough situations that we go through in this life. He's the one that we have to lean on. I can't imagine going through life without Jesus, without being able to call on him in those times. You know what he did? He gave us a peace in that situation. And frankly, at the end of the day, I feel sometimes we're so short-sighted even with healing and even with this life and and what we want God to do for us, when in reality, my mom got her ultimate healing. She's never going to suffer again. And she's with Jesus now, and if she had the option of coming back, I don't know if she'd ever stop laughing because there is no option. We could trust him because he is mighty, even when it doesn't seem to go our way. And then thirdly, it says that he's the everlasting father. This is one of the best parts, one of the best characteristics of our God. This tells me that he's a good, good father and that we can trust him, and that we can have hope because of his goodness and his love for us. The Bible talks a lot about him being a father. And you know, I know for a lot of us, this is a touchy situation, a touchy subject, because a lot of us probably didn't have a great example for a dad, for an earthly dad. And it's so easy for us, To when we see God as a father, to to compare that to our earthly dad and think, "Mm," and have almost an uncertain connotation to it. Like, can I really trust him? And I just want to encourage you and challenge you today that our heavenly father is nothing like our earthly father. Even if you have the best father, and you brag about your dad to all your friends and anybody that'll listen about how great he is, and all that he's done for you, and all that he's uh, how he's raised you up, even in church and in the faith, and, and he's given you money and paid for your college and did all these wonderful things for you. Even that good of a father does not compare to how good your heavenly father is. It doesn't even compare. There's nothing, nothing like our heavenly father and how good he is. And I know you could say, well, if he's so good, then why does he let bad things happen? Why is, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why has there been so much suffering in my life if he's such a good father? And I would say again, I don't understand everything and why it happens, but I know if all he did for me as my father was create a way by, by coming to this earth and paying a debt that I could never pay, that's enough for me. That's enough. The good thing about it is, though, is that it's not all he does. There may have been situations where you felt like you wished he'd have done something different, but for every one of those, I can tell you in my life, for every one of those situations with my mom, I could tell you 50 of them where he came through in a wonderful way, and where he blessed me way beyond any blessing that I've ever deserved in my life. Anything good in your life, church, is because of the fact that he's a good father. Everything good in your life, and we can trust him. And then finally, he's the Prince of Peace. Mm. He is the Prince of Peace. This tells me that he gives me hope in every situation, I almost look at it as if God has like this big vat of peace, liquid peace. <laughs> that he's up there stirring and he's like, Oh, I got a child down there that needs it, and he just gives it to us. And he's got an endless supply, church. An endless supply of peace for each and every one of us that would call upon him and that would trust him. And you may think, well, you know, if he's so if he's the Prince of Peace and He can give me all of this peace, why do I have so much turmoil in my life? Why are there so many trials that I'm going through? Why you know, we can always look at the flip side of that and think, why is, are things happening the way they are? Well, in this situation, I could challenge you today and encourage you that peace, this supernatural peace that God gives us, this is not an absence of a storm. This doesn't mean storms will never come. In fact, Jesus tells us in this world you will have trouble, but you can take heart because I've overcome the world. So he promises us that we're going to have tough times. But this peace is not an absence of tough times. This peace is an anchor in the storm, not a lack of a storm. This peace is an anchor that holds us when the waves are crashing. When everything looks tough around us and it looks like everything's falling apart, he's an anchor that holds us there, that keeps us in perfect peace. The Bible tells us there's a peace that he gives us that goes against any understanding we could ever have. That you can't even figure out or understand why you have peace. You just have it because he's that good and he's the Prince of Peace giving us that peace in our life. As I I close today, I just want to challenge you again that every one of us has a next step in our walk, in our journey of faith in life. Every single one of us. And I want to encourage you and challenge you today to dare to believe. Dare to believe him. Dare to believe that he is who he says he is and that he's good, that he's a wonderful counselor, that he is a mighty God, that he's an everlasting father, and that he is your prince of peace. If you're here today and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, and you just don't know if you even understand or, or feel like you're worthy of being one of his children, I would encourage you today, First John 1 and verse 3, the great apostle John, he says, Oh, what great love the Father has lavished on us. He didn't just divvy out a little bit of love. He lavished us with his love. He says that we would be called children of God. And then he finished it off by saying, and that is what we are. Every one of us, we are children of God. We are children of the Most High God. Amen. Amen. Give him praise. And if you're on this journey and you're, you're, you're way down the road, and you're like, yeah, I know all that. I love Jesus. He's, I know he's my daddy and you're confident in that, there's something in your life where you need to be willing to dare to believe him for. Whether it's a, a relationship situation that you just need to be able to, to trust him and believe him to, to bring reconciliation in a relationship. Maybe you need to forgive and you haven't been able to let God into that area and you need to trust him to be able to let you forgive or help you to forgive. Or maybe it's a, a financial area of your life where you just you always kind of held God at bay and been like, no, I'm not going to let you into my finances and you just need to be able to believe him and trust him and say, God, I'm going I'm to trust you with all of this. Whatever it is, just being generous to people in general. Whatever it is, there's a next step for each and every one of us. And I want to challenge you today in that, to dare to believe him. Would you stand with me this morning or this afternoon? I'm going to pray over us. And I just want to ask you today just to receive this prayer in faith, okay? Receive this prayer. And if you're here today and you don't know him, don't leave this place without giving your life to him. It's not some technical thing. There's no formula. All it is is a matter of saying, God, I know that I need you. I know that I need you to forgive me of all of my sins because there is no forgiveness for sins without Jesus. But I know that all I got to do is ask and you forgive me. And I want you to come into my life. I want to give you my life. I want to believe in a way where I'm committed to you. And I'm going to trust you with everything. It doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect from here on out. just means I'm going to trust you and I'm going to live my life for you and I'm going to stop living my life for myself. That's all you got to do today. So would you pray with me this this afternoon? God, we love you today. Thank you for this Christmas season. Thank you that we can come together and celebrate you, Jesus, coming to this earth to bring us back into relationship with God. That, that, That gap that was created because of the sin of, of people, all of us. You didn't stand, stay in heaven and just look down on us with arms folded, but you actually came and paid the debt that we couldn't pay on our own. And God, I thank you today that all we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. We receive it. If that's you today, I just encourage you to receive that free gift of salvation, to confess your sins to him, to ask him to forgive you, and to give your heart and your life to him. If you will give your heart and your life to him, he will come in and dwell in you. And he will never forsake you, never reject you. And God, we thank you for that today. We thank you that it's your desire that we would all be your children and walking with you in relationship with you. God, wherever we're at today, Lord, whatever that area is in our life that we haven't allowed you to come in, we haven't believed you to come into that area, but we've kind of held it controlled it on our own, God. Would you help us to dare to believe today that you can come into that area and that you can set us free? God, we know that as we trust you, as we grow in our walk with you, that it just gets better and better. We see you in everything, God. Help us to see you in everything in our life, Lord. Help us to trust you more in our life. I pray that 2020 would be a powerful year for each and every one of us that we would go to another level with you, that we take that next step in our walk with you to trust you, to live for you, and to give you our life. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all of this in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everyone said, amen.